one and all to the American Towing and Recovery Institute podcast. This is your podcast to promote safety, education, positive public relations, and networking within the professional and business-minded towing and recovery industry. This is your co-host, DJ Harrington, better known as the Tow Doctor, and I am honored to have as the other co-host for this special edition of today's episode, a 40-year towing industry veteran, the founder of American Towing Recovery Institute, and an individual trainer who has done over 887 classes, hands-on, here in the United States and throughout Canada. One and only, a dear friend of mine, Wes Wilburn. Wes, how are you today? DJ, I'm doing really good. Um, feeling good, things are busy, active. Able to get out and do things, so so feeling really good and excited about the future holds over the next few weeks. Well, excited this, about today's podcast. Oh yeah, this will be one of the best, buddy. We have the special special guest today, so I'm going to allow you to be the one to announce to our listeners that this is a special episode, and we have some great people on the line today. We um. As, as y'all know, this, the core of our being is education and the classes we've done over the years, and we focus on sharing information. So we have one of the major manufacturers of towing equipment here, uh, two, two of their key representatives uh, from Jirdan. They're going to talk to us a little bit about where they are, where they're going. And um, without further ado, I, uh, Bob Nelson and Richie Gutman, to introduce yourself uh, respectively, please. Sure. Uh, Bob Nelson, I'm the general manager um, of Jordan. Um, I've got Richie Gutman here. I'll let him introduce himself as well. I'm Rich Gutman, uh, product specialist with Jordan. Been here six and a half years now. Been in the towing industry for about 36 years. Well, welcome, gentlemen. Bob, how long have you been involved in the industry? Um, I came over uh, in 2000 or 2019 is when I joined Jordan, the back half of 2019. So we're going on three years now. Uh, Prior to that, I've, I've been with the Oshkosh Corporation, which owns Jordan, uh, going on 24, 25 years now. So I've uh, been around the business, just not in the towing and recovery space, kind of watched it from afar because our uh, our sister company, JLG, is where I came from prior to this. Um, we're virtually in the same footprint. So I've been watching the Jordan business from afar, but I've been responsible for the, the day-to-day P&L of the business uh, since 2019. So I'm uh, excited about the opportunity and and love watching the business grow. I'm really excited about the towing and recovery business as a whole. Uh, well, with that experience with JLG, I know that's a good background for for many on many different levels. Uh, and uh, it, the industry, you say you're watching it from afar, so that always helps as well. Welcome to welcome to our industry, definitely. Thank you very much. Well, Wes, let me ask the next question. This year marks Jordan's 50th year in business. So I got two questions. Tell me a little bit about Jordan history and Bob, if you would, how did the company start and what have been some of the notable milestones along the way? Sure. Uh, great question. Um, you know, people have asked me since I came here, uh, you know, 2019, you know, what is, where do you, where, what is Jordan? How, how did Jordan become a company? You know, obviously we're celebrating our 50th year. Uh, Jordan was basically established here in the, uh, Southern Pennsylvania area uh, in twenty in 1972, and there were two individuals, uh, Jerry Poole and Dan Reynolds, were the founders. Thus, you take 
half of one first name and half of the other, and you've got Jerdan. So Jerry and Dan were the founders, and Jerdan was the company name and founded in 1972. So that uh, that takes kind of care of where the where the history came from. But uh, you know, we're celebrating our 50th year. Obviously, Jerdan's had a lot of success in the space. Um, you know, we're one of the first to basically going to go back to our history here. You know, 19 right after 1972, they acquired a company, Grove. That kind of got them in the rollback carrier business. And then since then, we've been, you know, launching new products and development. 1977, we basically came out with the first aluminum carrier deck. 1985, we came out with the original self-loader. Uh, 95, Jordan got into the uh, heavy-duty space with an acquisition. Uh, in 2004, Oshkosh purchased Jordan, which um, now made it part of a much larger organization than just the original company itself. Um, we started getting into the heavy-duty business, rotator-wise, in 2005. Uh, we came out with the side recovery system in 2008. Uh, 2010, we launched the XLP carrier line. Um, in 2016, we did the Jordan Financial Solutions. It's one of our uh, finance partners that we're very proud of. Um, and then you kind of look at more recent activity. We uh, About two years ago, we launched the 25-ton heavy-duty wrecker. Um, and then recently here at the uh, April Toe Show down in Florida, we launched the uh, Auto grid, the XLP auto grid for our carrier line, and then we also have a tow link app that we're using. Um, the operators can use to basically find out, make sure they're working the right spec of the truck to meet up with the demands and the needs and the job they're required to do. So, we're going to continue to innovate. That's you know that kind of gives us a little brief history of what we've done in the first 50 years. Um, you know, we're not going to rest on our laurels. We want to make sure that we're going to be here for the next 50, and we're doing what we need to do to innovate products and listen to the end users on what they need to accomplish the jobs and tasks at their hand. But the bottom line is, um, you know, either growing or dying. So we got to figure out how we continue to innovate new products and uh, be prepared for the next 50 years, which uh, I'm sure will bring its own set of challenges, but we're ready for them. Well, it sounds like you're answering some of the needs outside the traditional tel- just just towing equipment uh, supply line. So that seems like a very intelligent idea that I'm sure is helpful to a lot of the end users. What do you find one of the more popular uh, things people like out to work with you on now? You know, we, we spend a lot of time uh, doing VOC, Voice of the Customer. Um, our groups, you know, when we have training courses here at the plant or when we're out in the field or attending trade shows or going to our distributors, uh, their locations, you know, we're doing a lot of VOC asking basically what is the future need of a, of a tow truck operator? You know, safety obviously is a big portion of our business. We'll get more into that later on in the conversation. But, you know, really it's how do we take a product that uh, – hasn't really changed much over probably the last 50 years and, and start incorporating some of the things from a technology standpoint that will allow us to create a safe environment that our operators can use our products safely and return home at the end of every day. This is one of the most dangerous jobs on the earth, and we need to make sure that we're taking care of the operator because at the end of the day, they're the ones who pay our bills. And we need to make sure that we're aligned with their needs and wants, and if we're not listening to them, we won't be around much longer. So we want to make sure that we're staying on the forefront we have the, the ability to pull from other segments outside of the towing recovery business. That's one of the benefits of being part of the Oshkosh Corporation. Um, we have 15,000 employees globally around the world. We own over 10 different brands. So we're in different segments of the, uh, you know, the industry from anywhere from garbage trucks, fire trucks, uh, construction equipment. Uh, you know, we're in the defense business. So at the end of the day, we have some technology that most corporations our size and scope would not be have at their fingertips. And, you know, from an engineering perspective, Oshkosh is, is 
probably one of the, the innovators in, a, in the you know in a technology space in a, in a industrial company. Um, we spend a lot of time, energy, and effort um, designing new products that we share with other other you know our sister companies, if you will. So, I would say that's you know one of the main drivers that we're focused on, and just how do we innovate the product to get it uh, you know answer what the customer needs. Excellent information. Thank you. Yeah, I've got a, several more questions, but we got to take a quick break. So hang around, and we'll be right back. The American Towing and Recovery Institute is proud to announce they are the new owner of Towing Equipment Direct. This established towing equipment and supplies company is committed to help progressive towing companies stay ahead of the competition by providing the best quality of towing equipment and supplies. This online catalog with a full-service shopping cart is committed to providing the widest variety of affordable towing supplies and equipment made from the latest technology from the most respected brands in the industry. A popular item is the Peerless Galvanized Chain. This chain has been around for decades. We are the first to bring the superior performance chain to the towing industry. The Peerless Proprietary Shield TM process has a zinc mechanical deposit galvanizing coating. With 15,000 pounds working load limit, this Peerless Galvanized Chain is the choice for towers across the country. For this and many more popular items, Go to our website at atri.com and click on the link towingequipmentdirect.com or just go directly to that site. We're working harder to make you smarter. You have been listening to the American Towing Recovery Institute podcast with Wes Wilburn and DJ Harrington and our special guest today, Jordan. Every week, we bring a new informative episode. Make sure you download and listen. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, Pandora, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartMedia, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, let me go back to Wes. Wes wanted to do a follow-up question with our guests. First of all, thank Bob Nelson and Richie from Geardan being here answering some questions. Bob, you referenced uh, a few other organizations under the the, uh, Oshkosh umbrella. Could you share with our listeners some some of the brand names they may recognize that are under that umbrella? Absolutely. Um, so we have at Oshkosh, we have four segments primarily that make up the Oshkosh Corporation. We have Oshkosh Defense, um, which does a, a full line of heavy duty off road tactical vehicles that we make for the uh, the armed the armed services. Basically, all all the branches, probably with the exception of the Air Force, which would probably have some trucks that they use. But that's the defense business. Um, when you get into the commercial business, which is uh, another segment of our division, we have basically, that's McNeilis is the brand. We build a line of uh, waste garbage trucks, if you will, and then we build a full line of concrete mixers uh, that, that fall under the McNeilis brand. And then we have IMT, which is our service truck body under the commercial business as well. Uh, then when you get into fire and emergency, we have Pierce, um, which is a primarily a manufacturer of fire trucks. Um, when you get into the uh, access segment, which is us, there's uh, Jordan and then our sister company here locally, which is JLG. We build a full line of construction equipment, primarily aerial work platforms and uh, telescopic handlers that we sell around the world. Um, and then, obviously, we're looking at you know the defense business, the commercial business, the F&E business, the access business, pretty much makes up the Oshkosh Corporation. We've got roughly 10 brands all in. 
but um, it gives us global reach. We have manufacturing facilities pretty much on every corner of the earth. Um, so we have, you know, we're pulling supply chain and that'll kind of probably lead into some of your next question, the next question. But, uh, you know, we've got a global footprint and, you know, we've got our eyes and ears open on pretty much every corner of the planet, making sure we're aligned with what's going on in, you know, China, Europe, South America, the U.S. and Canada, obviously. But um, it gives us a little more global reach than, than just a, a tow truck company from southern Pennsylvania. Yeah, absolutely. That's, and that's uh, nice to see how you bring those efficiencies of scale together like y'all do. Recently, you wrote a letter to the industry, which I thought was a very uh, good move. And one of the things you addressed is some of the manufacturing, the reality of some of the manufacturing challenges that have faced and are facing the towing industry. How do you... How are you guys as a company dealing with that, Jordan? And how are you? What are you doing to help your distributors during this time? No, it's a great question. I mean, obviously, there's uh, there's a lot of headwinds that we're having to deal with. I mean, supply chain challenges are probably the, the first and foremost that most uh, people read about in the paper. See how uh, you know the boats are stacking up in ports. Um, how does that impact you know the manufacturing space? Uh, as we mentioned, you know, we're, we're we have ten basically nine other sister companies that are dealing with the same headwinds we are. But the reality is, you know, we pull product from all over the earth. Um, so we are constantly logistically challenged on buying something, getting it here, getting it here on time so we can keep our production lines going, making sure that our parts warehouses are properly filled with the right fill rates, with the right parts that so we can obviously take care of the service business that we have to, uh, which is a core part of our business. But supply chain is, is is still a continued issue. It's going to be an issue for the foreseeable future. Uh, you know, we're working through those diligently. We have a, a full team on staff here at Jordan and within Oshkosh, we have hundreds of people that are quite frankly, dialing our vendors and suppliers daily emailing, making sure that we're staying on top of any potential shortages long before they happen. We don't want to have a problem. when We reach into the bin for the last part. We want to have visibility of it, making sure that we have, adequate supply lined up behind the scenes so we can manage those shortages. I'm not saying we don't have challenges. We have challenges like every other corporation on the planet right now. But I believe our team is doing the extra effort and going above and beyond to secure stuff so that we make sure we take care of the dealers who ultimately take care of the end user so that we can keep that food chain properly stocked so that when they need something, it's there on the shelf. Or if not, we have visibility when we can get it and then we can communicate that back to them so they can plan accordingly. Those are probably some of the major challenges. There's a lot of other headwinds we're dealing with. You know, you've got labor shortages, which impacts everyone listening to this podcast. We as manufacturers, we as a corporation, uh, there just doesn't seem to be enough able bodies to uh, get the workforce that we need. Um, so we're continuing to onboard folks, doing some initial recruiting exercises, trying to get people in here, retaining the ones we do have. Um, you know, as we know, there's a pretty hot job market out there and there's a lot of opportunities for people to go elsewhere. Anytime you're running sub 3% unemployment in the U S, um, we're going to be faced with those challenges, but I would probably say the largest impact to the space that I have noticed in my three years here has been the chassis allocation. Um, the OEMs cannot keep up with the current demand. They are struggling with the same supply chain challenges that we as body manufacturers have and others people in the space, but the chassis flow is not nearly as robust as it needs to be. Uh, demand completely outweighs supply at the moment. 
So we continue that allocation process to continue into 23. And we are already looking at, you know, what do we need to do to get in line for chassis for FY24? So I think this is going to continue to be a challenge for the entire segment. Um, and I've got some ideas on how people can be a little more proactive, which we'll get into later. But at the end of the day, those are probably the three primary ones. We can all know that, you know, interest rates are going up, which, you know, continue to make the pricing of the equipment more expensive. Um, and then not just, you know, just general freight costs and other things that we have to deal with, uh, fuel prices as well. You know, the, the pain at the pump, we are well aware of what it costs for a gallon of diesel to go into one of our trucks. So we keep our eyes and ears open on that process as well. But those are just some of the challenges that we're dealing with right now. Wes, how about I ask, Bob, and I, I know our listeners want to know, what are, Bob, what's some of the biggest opportunities for today's towers and recovery industry people? I think first and foremost, I think it's, it gives us an opportunity with the shortage of trucks in the industry right now. I think right, our focus has been, since we can't build as many trucks as we would like to, we're, we're really focused on our time, energy, and effort on, on operator training. Uh, we believe at the end of the day, if someone knows how to use their truck properly, they will work safer, they will return home, and they'll be able to do it again and again and again. So we are really focused on creating the right training programs, hands-on training. We're not talking about PowerPointing to death. We're talking about hands-on training so you can functionally understand how your truck works and how it was designed to operate. So that's kind of the, one of the main talking points that I've got. Obviously, safety is, is a major initiative to help drive that operator training. Uh, we need to continue to, op- to enhance our product, adding more safety features, Technology will be a big part of that as we move forward with the innovation and new product development. But I would say training and safety are kind of the two big things that we're, we've made a real priority around here, and we believe that's going to pay dividends in the long run. Well, we got, got to take a break. Come on back. I got a question I want to ask for Richard. Sure. With over 40 years of experience in the towing business, Henry's Wrecker Service professionally handles accidents, recovery, roadside assistance, parking management, relocating, and more for every type of vehicle. Their experience includes handling from automobiles to big rig trucks, even bicycles, mopeds, motorcycles, and boats. No job is too small for Henry's. Trusted by transit authorities and law enforcement authorities, Henry's has earned the trust of the Northeast. What can they do to serve you? Visit henrysrecker.com. Stay safe. Remember, slow down, move over. Let's get everyone home safe. That's henrysrecker.com. Welcome back, listeners. And I can't thank you enough for listening to American Touring Recovery Institute podcast. Remember, if you like our guests from Jordan today, Bob Nelson and Richie Gutman, it's please dial 706 409 5603. And let Wes and I know these are the type of people you'd like to hear. And I can't thanks enough. This podcast has grown so much. Now over 6,000 people listen on a regular basis. And I cannot thank you guys enough. All right. Wes, let me turn it back over to you because you were just about to ask a real key question to Richie. Your letter to the industry talks about Jordan's efforts to upgrade your training facilities and capabilities. Tell me more about that and about your training program at Beardown. Right now, we're doing rotator training. So we bring customers in. It's a hands-on training program. Bob was 
good enough to get us a building that we could make ours. We have a location that we use at Greencastle. Generally, the class, we use three or four rotators in every class. Each person in the class will operate a rotator after about four hours of classroom inside. We get in uh, pretty far in depth about how the truck operates and how it works, proper setup, load charts, um, pretty much the fundamentals of a rotator, the beginning things you need, no matter what type of rotator, no matter whose rotator, you should know certain basic skills before you get in it. So we touch base on all that, give them a base to start with, then we take them out to several stations and they operate the truck from setting the platform up to operating, uh, lifting a load 360 degrees using the load chart. They get a good understanding of the load chart, what the load chart means. We give some information from engineering on how to understand structure. Uh, a lot of people in the industry don't understand safety factors as far as what kind of safety factors are on a comparison of chain to shackles to wire rope to booms, underlifts. There's a huge difference, and the average person won't know that unless they talk to an engineer and they get that information. So Bob has been good enough. Bob and Heath let us have two engineers in our class every time. So I have two chief uh, engineers. They're heavy-duty engineers. So they listen for feedback. They answer questions. They participate. One of the big things that I'm going to brag about is you guys that know me know that it's all about what you can do. You need to be able to do it to understand it. When Bob first came here, guess what he had to do? He had to come to my training center. He had to operate a rotator. He had to work the remote control. And I've done the same thing with all the engineers, and they are awesome, and I love having them at every class. Richie, great way of presenting this. Let me ask whoever wants to take the next one. What's a key takeaway from the past few years in an increasingly post-pandemic environment that we're in? What do you see for the towing industry? You know, I, I think the uh, the biggest takeaway that I've seen is the the shift from having inventory on the ground pre-COVID to today's current environment. Uh, it's requiring us as an industry to start looking uh, more forward thinking. And what I mean by that is forecasting. The end user, the dealer, the manufacturer has to start looking much further in advance because of the supply chain challenges that we talked about earlier. Uh, it is requiring the operator to then have to look at their fleet, understand what their fleet rotation is going to look like, how many trucks do they plan on replacing, how many trucks do they plan on adding, understanding whether or not they can get that product sooner than later. And if they can't buy a new truck, how do they maintain the current fleet that they do have? And that's how we focus a lot of time, energy, and effort on the parts and the service side of the business. With that being said, the other part of the equation is if you, if you do have a plan and you want to institute that plan so that you are not being left without a truck, the financing side of it is, is very key. Um, we spend a lot of time with our financial partner, at, you know, JDFS, Jordan Financial Solutions, of getting pre-approvals. Because of the long lead times, it's important that you have your credit apps and your approvals done long before you go and expect to buy a truck. The days of walking into a trade show and virtually driving a truck home are over with. Um, a lot of our dealers are running anywhere from six to nine-month lead times right now on certain products. In some cases, it's over a year. So the amount of the time, energy, and effort are sitting down and actually putting a plan together for your fleet, and whether that's a 12-month, 24-, 36-month view, 
I would recommend you start looking almost 24 and 36 months now, uh, just because the lead times are out that far, uh, especially in the class six chassis space. We are seeing a lot of challenge in buying class six chassis. Uh, the OEMs have decided to build class eight trucks. That's their prerogative, but it's starving the class six trucks. So for those operators out there that are looking to replace the class six chassis with one of our bodies, uh, be prepared to have a very long lead time because the trucks are just not available. So I think it's really more just about planning. And then if you obviously don't have a plan to get new trucks, how do you maintain and get the longest service life out of the trucks that you currently own? And that's why we offer the, you know, we make sure that we have parts in stock so that we can feed that through our distributorships. How do you see Jerdan developing over the next 50 years? Uh, you know, good question. I think ultimately it's going to start with our people. We need to be innovators. We need to lead in the marketplace. And then I think that transitions right into new products. If our people are listening to the end user and paying attention to what they're saying, which is the whole point of this this call and many others we're going to have with the industry as a whole, is if we take that VOC and implement that into products that people want and are willing to pay for, we will be successful. If we think we know it all, we will be doomed. So at the end of the day, we're going to continue to have VOC. As Richie mentioned, when we bring in operators for our training class, we have engineers on site that are actually taking notes. We're not deeming that we are the know-it-all. We are taking all that information, gathering it up, getting with our marketing teams, and then basically looking at what is the need of the future and how do we address that. And there's going to be several technology factors that, that play into this. You know, obviously, number one, electrification. It's coming, okay? Chassis will be electrified here very soon. When does that transition into the tow truck industry? It will determine the range of that chassis, period. We don't run a milk route here in our tow truck world. We are first responders. We don't know where that second response is going to take us. So we don't have the luxury of running a 50-mile milk route and then going back and plugging in. So at the end of the day, we've got to figure out if when those trucks have the performance that a diesel truck has today, then I think people will start adopting the electrification space. Is that going to be a year from now? Probably not. Ten years from now? Yes. But it's going to be driven primarily by the OEMs. They will be the leader. We will figure out how we marry up our bodies on the back of those chassis, regardless if they're running on diesel, natural gas, propane, electrification, whatever it may be, we'll be prepared. But we do have segments of our businesses right now that we've been building electric boom list for 20 years at JLG. We are very familiar with electrification of products. We have electric chassis. We have an electric fire truck. We have an electric garbage truck. We have an electric mixer. So we are very familiar with how to run an electrified business if we have to. I just think it's going to be an adoption curve in this space. It's going to be a while just because the performance. That's the, the sheer thing that's going to drive it is performance. So those are some of the challenges. All right. Well, hang around. After the break, we'll finish up with this great interview. Perfect. The folks at Purpose Wrecker are wrecker specialists. They don't get bogged down with other types of sales like cars, assorted equipment, or snowplows. Purpose Wrecker exclusively specializes in towing and hauling. From parts and service to financing, they remain focused on providing the best service and customer care to the towing and hauling industry. Even in these trying times, Purpose Wrecker works hard to meet the needs of its customers. They are the preferred distributor in North America for purchasing towing and recovery equipment. 
For more information, visit them on the web at PurposeRecord.com or speak to a specialist by calling 636-639-9700. That's 636-639-9700. Celebrating 40 years in the towing industry, that's PurposeRecord.com. Welcome back, guys. You've been listening to American Tone Recovery Institute podcast, Wes Wilburn, DJ Harrington, and the special guest Bob Nelson and Richie from Jordan. Everybody in the industry knows Richie. If you've been to a tow show, you've met him. So let me ask this question of you guys. How do you envision the tone and recovery industry 50 years from now? And what are some of the big shifts that's going to happen? No, good question. Uh, I think, you know, the biggest challenge or the biggest opportunity, I think, in the space uh, is going to be autonomy. These are going to be, you know, labor challenges are not going away anytime soon. Uh, I think autonomy is going to be the next logical play of, you know, how do we get that tow truck to go to the site without an operator? And then what is that? truck need to look like to recover a vehicle without someone in the cab right obviously these are you know this is science fiction stuff we're talking about right now but i mean when you look when you look at the automotive space right now autonomy is a big is a big hot button it's going to tie into electrification the theme here is going to be having connected products and whether it be telematics sensors cameras whatever at the end of the day i look at it as connected products that someone from afar can be paying attention to what's happening on the site um, and that's, I think that's going to be the real main driver, but autonomy is probably going to be the number one mover of the needle, if you will, from a new product development, really changing the marketplace from what you see today to what the future of the state's going to look like. But, uh, th- those are some of the technology pieces that we think are going to be the main drivers behind it. Cause we're seeing it in other segments of the businesses that we, that we perform in. And, uh, you know, overall, uh, the electric chassis is going to be the pillar of it. It's just going to be how do we connect everything from the back end to the front end, and is there an operator or not, or is there someone just come along for the ride to do the actual work behind the truck versus driving the truck? Time will tell, but I think that's going to be probably the number one driver. That's going to be how quickly can the autonomy piece get up and running? Um, I think it'll be sooner than later, just based on my opinion, but uh, we're, we're seeing requests already right now of, you know, with the labor shortage, how do we get more trucks on the road but yet knowing we're going to struggle always with having the right amount of headcount and then personnel to operate those vehicles and train properly as well. well yeah, autonomous uh, heavy trucks are out there now. The uh, I read a couple months ago in Ar- Arkansas Business Journal about an Arkansas-based trucking company running some uh, autonomous trucks on relatively rural routes. And also in the same article, they mentioned that Walmart was working with a company on autonomous trucks that are running right now. Now, these things that are running now have drivers in them, but they're running autonomously with drivers to monitor them, so to speak. And I was surprised with Walmart that they were running between Dallas and Houston. Mm-hmm. Both, both cities, I, you know, for my limited business travel over the years, I know both cities, Dallas and Houston, are <laughs> the aggressive cities to drive in. If you can pull it off there, you can pull it off anywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. I, I didn't look at it like that, but yeah, I guess so. No, I, I, I think that's certainly going to be uh, a main driver in, in the innovation space. Obviously, with technology, cameras, sensors, and those things, I mean, it's going to enhance what you can see from the cab, whether there is an operator in the cab or there's some main control room back at, you know, at the business center that's running a fleet of trucks and, and you know, 
who knows, drones will be probably part of this as well. I mean, it, sky's the limit, literally, and you know, we'll we'll make sure we're at the forefront of it. But the thing that I like and I and, and I'm really excited about is we have the ability through the our sister companies and our parent company, we can pull technology that historically wouldn't be available to us. When you start talking about defense, the stuff that they're working on now is stuff that will be standard to our industry 10 years from now. And, and we're on the forefront of that now. So it's not like we have to go and recreate the wheel. We can, you know, it's patented. We own it. We can borrow it. We can use it. I think it's going to really help our company forward with new product development, make sure we're staying ahead of that innovation curve. Can I put my two cents in before you we end this thing? Sure. Go ahead, DJ. My closing comments on my end is I'm proud to be your co-host. You know why? Because people like Jerdan, people like Bob Nelson, people like Richie, who's everybody knows is the trainer at Jerdan, and people like yourself, Wes, all three of you care more about the industry and making sure that our drivers come home to their loved ones every night by promoting safety. And Jerdan is just that type of company. So when you told me that Bob Nelson and Richie were going to be on this today, I was honored to be the co-host because the three of you have done more for this industry than any group I could have ever named. So I just want to give you my two cents. No, we, we appreciate it. Obviously we're, uh, we appreciate the opportunity. Anytime we can talk to yourselves and, and the, you know, the end user who uses our product, we're, we're all about that. Cause at the end of the day, we go as they go and we want to make sure we're, we're listening to them. They have, you know, an opportunity to share feedback with us. They can go on our webpage, drop comments, let us know what they, what they think is important that we need to pay attention to. And, and we will, that's, that's, that's my job is to make sure we're doing what we need to do to be successful. And, you know, anyone who comes to one of Richie's training classes is going to realize very quickly that, uh, this man knows what he's talking about. He, he, he's an expert in the space. And quite frankly, he probably cares more about your safety than you do. And at the end of the day, he's going to make sure you understand how to operate our products and uh, you know how to work it right. And if you work it right, I got a pretty good chance you're going to come back and buy a second and a third and a fourth from us. So that's that's the driver behind it all. Well, I'm honored. And that, well, not, not just because, Wes, not just because, you know, a couple of years ago at your Myrtle Beach show, Jordan probably had the best sponsorship shrimp I've ever eaten in my life because Jordan was one of the sponsors. But Richie, you and Bob Nelson really care about the industry, and I'm proud to be part of the of this podcast. Thanks, DJ. I appreciate all your efforts and everything you do as well. Sincerely, Richie, have any closing thoughts to share with us? Um, the only thing I would say is that we have some information coming in the future for our next year's rotator training classes. And as we start having classes for heavy duty and light duty, we'll keep bringing that information to the industry. All right. We want to thank all our listeners. This has been a special edition equipment manufacturers spotlight on Jeardan. We thank everybody at Jeardan for making this happen. We hope our listeners found this to be informative. Thanks for listening. Like us, share us with your friends, and we hope you enjoy it. Be safe out there.